Welcome to A Word from the Valley, a weekly podcast produced for you from Zion Lutheran Church in Middletown, Maryland. For more information about our faith community and our weekly worship services, visit us at zionmiddletown.org or find us on Facebook. We hope you have a great week, and God bless. When I talk to our confirmants about what is heaven going to be like, I often remind them that, according to Scripture, it's going to be like going to a worship service for all eternity, which you can imagine the eyes rolling in the back of their heads at this point, like in horror and fear, like, are you sure you're talking about heaven, Pastor Matt? Are you sure you're talking about heaven? That doesn't sound like heaven to me, right? Well, i got to tell you, as a pastor... Uh, Hearing the heaven described, the coming kingdom of God, like a wedding, a wedding banquet, that doesn't sound all appealing to me. I mean, I can't imagine spending an eternity dealing with people telling me how to do my job at a wedding. Because apparently they think that I am like a first-year seminarian, even though I've done like 40 or 50 weddings. You'd be amazed at how many people think I have no idea what I'm doing. I have people telling me what I can and can't wear to a wedding Literally, I've had people tell me I can't wear a black suit. I can't wear a white robe because only the white, only the, the bride can wear a white gown, right? I've had people come up and tell me how to speak. Because clearly, as a professional public speaker, I have no idea what I'm doing, right? And the endless amounts of premarital counseling. That's what heaven's like? I don't know if I want to go there, right? Entire eternity of that. But after reading this parable, I'm not sure this version of heaven is all that appealing either. Lord, Lord, open to us, but the reply truly, I tell you, I do not know you. That's terrifying. The fairy tale ending we all hope for does not happen in this parable. But should that really surprise any of us, though, after spending the last few months reading the parables of, of Jesus according to Matthew? Because many of the parables contradict our hopes and expectations and even our values. They also contradict our deep-seated fears and insecurities. You know, how much easier would would have been to preach these Matthean parables if the bridegroom or the master were more generous and inviting? Instead, the Lord here appears to be very dismissive, uninviting, and definitely not the warm and fuzzy Jesus that we have all come to know and love as our 21st century readers. How tempting it is to just simply gloss over all the uncomfortable parts and just simply allegorize this parable, making it into something that a message that is so nice that we can just cross-stitch it onto a pillow. Christians, good Christians, always show up to the wedding on time with lamp and their oils. How tempting it is to just hide behind Simple messages like that. The hide behind, the left behind theology that says it's better to be taken than to be left behind. Yet, are any of these interpretations the truth? Is it better to be the bride, the wise ones, or the foolish ones? Where is Jesus in all of this? Do we find Jesus on the inside or on the outside? Because if we say we find Jesus on the inside, we read in Scripture that Jesus is always with the outside. So is Jesus in the party, or is Jesus out with the bridesmaids who forgot enough oil? Possibly. I don't know. But before we can really dive into answering some of these questions, we really need to understand 
what's happening in the world behind the text. In the world behind the text, we understand that the Methenian community is dealing with several complex and dangerous issues. They have been expelled from the local synagogue. Ten years before Matthew writes his gospel, many of Matthew's community witnessed the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. There's been a delayed Perusia. There's been a delayed second coming. Jesus said he was going to return, but when? It's been a few years, and he hasn't shown up. What does that mean? Are we doing something wrong? What's Jesus doing? Matthew has a community that is scared and worried about the future. Matthew's people have been most likely taken. They have been beaten. They have been killed all because of their faith in Jesus Christ. This small band of followers of Jesus are dreaming of a time when the wise will be welcomed into the party. While the foolish ones, those who beat them and hurt them, take them away, they'll be kept out of the party. Where for us this parable sounds strange and out of place and certainly very uninviting to outsiders. In reality, this parable would sound so very comfortable to a group of people who have been long-suffering at the hands of the Roman oppressors. But, but notice, Jesus, through Matthew's gospel, does not allow the community to get off the hook in caring for others and loving their enemies, and caring for the unprepared. Notice here in the parable, who is the one who casts judgment? It's the Lord, right? It's not the wise bridesmaids, they don't judge the, the foolish ones. The Lord does the judging. And think about the bridesmaids. The young women were all waiting for the bridegroom. They all belong to the same community, the same group of friends, the same familial unit. They all fall asleep waiting for the bridegroom to come. Within the community, it is impossible to tell who has enough oil in their lamps and who doesn't. Who has been more faithful and who isn't. The so-called foolish young women also know the bridegroom, calling out to him, Lord, Lord, open to us, that they remain unrecognized by the bridegroom, raises the question of knowledge. In this parable. I don't think Jesus is trying to identify who is wise and who is foolish. Rather, I think this parable is trying to force us to ask hard questions about ourselves. So it says, what does it mean to know the bridegroom? What does it mean to know Jesus? What does it mean to be recognized by the one we call the Lord? Five minutes into the sermon, though, and I feel like I talked myself into a few, ten different circles trying to figure out what's up, what's down, what's right, what's wrong. Is it good to be prepared with enough oil? Or the ill-prepared bridesmaids always going to be kept out of the party? Should the church share with others who are ill-prepared? Is the accumulation of wealth, or in this case, of oil, the better way to live? What does this all mean? And perhaps I think we're maybe, maybe I'm getting too far into the weeds here. And we, I think we just maybe be best to go back to the basics. So let's hear this parable again. The kingdom of God is like a group of bridesmaids who are waiting on a very late groom. Some of them are ready. Some of them are not. Some get into the party. Some do not. I get that. We all get that, right? That makes sense. But what about the oil here? 
what, what is this oil? Or more importantly, why would giving up the oil so that all the bridesmaids have enough be unwise? Is Jesus saying that it's, it's unwise to share as one oil? And if that's the case, that's weird, right? Because isn't sharing, sharing is caring? And that's what I tell Isaiah. I'm so glad Isaiah and Thomas aren't here because I'm sure the whole ride home, they would be saying, Dad, do I have to share anymore? You just said sharing is not good. We shouldn't share. So why should I share with, like, it would be a long car ride home, right? We should all share, right? That may, that's, that's the lesson that we've, been, that we've been trying to instill with our children. So why is sharing this instance not a good thing? What is the nature of this oil? That it's better, more wise to not share with those who do not have enough. Notice what the parable doesn't demand here. It doesn't demand that I do not share oil. It demands that the bridesmaids do their job. And have the most blazing of lights for the longest period of time. We are being asked to bring our full selves to God's table. The sin. The problem here was that the other bridesmaids were only bringing half the amount of oil to the party. Sacrificing the oil negates the whole point of the party, negates the whole reason that they're bridesmaids. In the parable, the foolish bridesmaid returned to a groom who does not recognize them as participants of the party because the foolish bridesmaids have missed the whole point of what participating in the wedding means, of what it means to be a bridesmaid. Participation in God's kingdom never required us, some of us, to only be half on fire with the gospel. It requires that we all be set on fire, fully set on fire. You're either all in or you're all out. Being a follower of Jesus means you've got to be willing to put it all on the line, to turn your lights all the way up and celebrate the coming of the bridegroom, to be ready at any moment. Imagine that the bridesmaids, the wise ones, would have shared some of their oil with the foolish ones. The procession, the wedding procession, would not have lasted as long. It would have been a rush procession, a rush wedding, and the party would have ended a whole lot sooner because they ran out of oil. The bridesmaids had one job to do, to wait for the bridegroom with oil in their lamps. It's the whole reason that they're there. Instead, they do not do their job. They're not really bridesmaids. They're not really friends. They're imposters. They didn't care about the bride or the groom and making sure that this was an unforgettable night for the couple. What God wants from us today is to be ready. So often we talk about God's kingdom, we talk about it as this future event. You know, heaven is some far off place. The Perusia coming of Christ. is seen as this one-time event that will happen at the end of time, when we're all done destroying each other, right? But what if the Perusia is like, like living with Schrodinger's cat? And the Schrodinger's cat is it's this, uh, a cat that lives in a box with a vile poison, that's gonna, and this vile poison is going to break at some unknown time. And in the case of the cat, we can consider the cat both dead and alive. It's only until we open up the box that we find the condition of the cat. What if the parousia is viewed the same way? As both happening now, 
but also happening in the future. That is viewed as a, a continuous event that involves us, the community of Christ in our baptismal vocation, living in the light of the cross, in mercy, not in judgment. That the Perusia is now, but also this far-off event, that the, that the Perusia is Christ's continual presence with us through all our waiting. That we live as if Christ is here now, and Christ is still to come. In this state, we sit with oil in our lamps, ready for the moment that we are called on as followers of Jesus to spring into action, ready to begin the party that awaits and to celebrate it properly, not rushed or lacking significance, adequacy or completeness. Living in this state means we do not cast judgment on other members, but simply make sure that we have enough oil in our lamps Everyone understands their jobs as Christian, as bridesmaids. So that when our Lord does come, love and grace may be set ablaze. The party that we have long, long, long waited for to happen can finally be solved.